Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I was reading about a British couple who were renovating their 18th century house. That's pretty old. And they were doing the kitchen, and so they began to dig up the floor, and they wanted to replace the floor and this old house. And as they dug, they thought they hit an electrical cable, and so they were very careful. They excavated it carefully, and what they actually found was a cup. And in the cup, the cup was stuffed with gold coins, gold coins dating back from 1610 to 1727. How many of you know huge value? They began to look through the coins, and the coins covered the reigns in England of James I, Charles I, right through to George I. So incredible value. So they contacted an auctioneer called Spink and Son, and they sent an expert to their home to evaluate these coins, because you know, they know it's worth something, but they don't know exactly what it's worth. Spink and Son estimated uh, that these coins came from a, or they traced it back, a wealthy merchant family with exporters and importers of coal and iron ore and timber. And the last surviving person from uh, their family, they were known as the, the um, Fernley Maesters family, the last surviving person was the wife who lived in the house, and she died way back in 1745. So clearly this hall and this find was theirs. And they estimated the value at 250,000 pounds. Now, you, you know when it comes to rands, like 5.9 million was the estimate. Amazing, eh? They went to auction, and they experienced the and more of auction, and it brought in 754,000 pounds, which is 17.8 million rand. Imagine finding that under your floor. Hmm? Now, some might say in the meeting as they're hearing this, go, I wish it was me. <laughs> you see, most of us in life, we experience less, not more. We expect less, not more. But I want to say to you today that it's time again to dig, not in the floor of your house, but into God's word and discover his promises and believe like never before for the and more of God. Can you say Amen. So I want to speak to you this morning, believing for the and more of God, part two. And I'm going to start with a verse of, or a passage of scripture that we know so well. And uh, you know the danger when you read common passages, oh, I've heard that before. We need to see the fresh vision in it. And I'm going to read you Psalm 23. It's a psalm that's read at funerals. I fully don't know why, because it's a psalm about life. Only gets right to the end and says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But actually, it's about life. And it's a very, very powerful promise of the and more of our shepherd who has saved our souls. So let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. And the first thing he says is, I lack nothing. Hold on to that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Notice he's talking about God. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. When your soul is depleted, when you are lacking strength and you're lacking the will to go on, he gives you the and more. Not just of money, but of strength, of emotional strength. You can trust him. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. God cares how you walk. 
and how you live. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Watch how it changes now from he to you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't that beautiful? So he's talking about God, now he's talking to God. Then he says, and this is David speaking, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. How many of you know that speaks of more than enough? The and more of God. Are you experiencing that? How many know a full cup is nice? But he says, my cup overflows. In other words, in other words, in other words, God's got more than you can contain. God's got more than you can contain. Because we don't believe in wastage and spillage. This is a Hebrewism that is telling us God's got more than you can even believe for. And then it says, surely your goodness and your love, watch this, will follow me all the days of my life. Not on odd occasions. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many of you know David knows the and more of God? And I want to remind you, our salvation doesn't start when we die. It has started already under the guidance of our shepherd, we will lack nothing. He will refresh us and restore us in every dimension of our lives. We will overflow and have and more, and it will go with us until the day of our deaths. Believe for that and don't settle for anything less. I want to give you five things here that will help us this morning believe for God's overflow and God's increase and God's and more in our lives. Are you ready? Number one, the first thing when believing for God's and more is understand that God's blessings usually unfold. They unfold. The more of God is not instant. You see, some of you think you come to church January the 23rd or whatever it was, and the vision is presented the following week. You go home and there's gold bars. No, it doesn't work like that. Only in the UK under certain floors. We've got to let it unfold. And wait for it to unfold. Think of the Bible stories of great men and how it unfolds. Think of David. He's anointed at 15. Then he's anointed over Judah for seven and a half years. And then he serves just under that one tribe. And then he's anointed over all Israel for 37 years. Total just roughly 40 years that he served. But he was started at 15. Then there was a partial unfolding. Then there was the full unfolding of God's more in his life. We've got to believe God to unfold it. Joseph was the same. And here's the thing. He saw the vision, didn't he, Joseph? Twice he saw what he could be. He saw the, the abundance, the stars and the moon bowing down. But it had to unfold. First the pit, then the prison. Yeah, uh, sorry, the, the pit, then part of his house, then the prison. Then the whole dream unfolded. Hold on to what you can see. It will unfold. If you think it's going to be instant, you'll change your theology or you'll become discouraged and you'll shut down. And God will help you to see things in the spirit and to hold on to them until they become a reality. We saw this building in the spirit for years. It unfolded. And it's a reality right now. I love what Wendy Pope said. She wrote a lovely book called Wait and See. And it's how to go through the, the pauses of God. And she says this, and I believe this is true for us. She says, God will make things all right or help us be all right with things. We really need that. You see something, and God sometimes brings it quickly. Other times, he gives us the patience to wait for it. And we need to trust him. And if you've been waiting on God for the end more in your life, don't, don't, don't be discouraged. Sometimes it comes later in life. 
It might come even in your 50s, maybe even in your 60s. But trust him because God is able to do things. He's not restricted. He's only restricted by our faith or our lack of faith. I was reading about Safina Namakwaya from Kampala in Uganda. In December 2023, the 70-year-old gave birth to twins. I, I just got the shakes there. Um, a boy and a girl at a woman's hospital, and, and it's an IVF center, and she had treatment. How's, how's this? Her partner abandoned her when he heard she was having twins. See, some people think they can handle vision. They can't. And the and more of God, but she said she desperately wanted children. She was mocked for being childless. And the hospital congratulated her and uh, said it was more than their medical success. They actually said it was about the strength and resilience of her spirit in trusting for it to happen. See, there can be medical help. And at 70, in India, in uh, 2019, 73-year-old Mangayama Yaramati also gave birth to twin girls. Watch out if you're having IVF. Uh, and she said her and her 82-year-old husband had always wanted children but been unable to conceive. They waited, they tried, and the and more of God came. God's plans and God's more often unfold in our lives. Don't be discouraged. Hold on. Number two, study God's character from the scriptures if you're believing for and more. Study God's character from the scriptures. I don't think people know who God is. They think they do. That's why they make strange statements. Like Jesus said nothing about homosexuality. He didn't need to. <laughs> Jesus said nothing about smoking dope either or sniffing cocaine. The principles are obvious. And Jesus spoke, by the way, about sexual morality in general. And he even spoke about getting divorced was not as easy as you think. So clearly he didn't accommodate all sorts of behaviors. You can read into scripture or read out of scripture. It's very important to read and know the character of God because then you know what to believe for. And most of us think God is smaller than he really is. Love what the, love what the Bible teacher D.L. Moody said. He said, if God is your partner, make your plans large. See, if God is your partner and you know who he is, then you can make your plans large. And we need to study the Bible to see who God really is. And uh, when you see who God really is, that's when you receive miracles. The people in the New Testament knew who Jesus was. That's why they received. Jairus knew who Jesus was. That's why I said, come and raise my daughter. The woman with the issue of blood knew who Jesus was. That's why she grabbed his garment. The centurion knew who Jesus was. That's why I said, I'm also a man under authority. And I just say, go, just speak the word. He understood fully. And when you know who God is, you can believe for the and more. But when you're uncertain... Are you with me? See, we need to believe in the many-faceted, all-powerful, good God whose general will is to do us good. There are nearly 6,000, it was roughly 6,000 promises in the Bible, and we need to believe God. And then we just need to look at creation and see that creation is so vast that God is not a stingy God. He's a generous God, not just in material, but in every way He wants to refresh the soul, wants to enlarge your life, wants you to overflow and wants you to lack nothing. I love what uh, Job said when uh, God was, uh, sorry, um, 
the book of Job speaks about God and the universe, and then we don't have time to read it all, but in Job verse 14 of chapter 26, it says this after discussing the universe, it says, and these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him, who then can understand the thunder of his power? Now, notice, you know what to say is, if you look at the universe, you only scratch the surface. And when you hear a whisper, you have no concept. If he were to shout, you'd die. And that's the God we serve. This incredible God of the universe who can do so much in our lives. In fact, the psalmist puts it like this, and you, you know these verses, but I want to bring your attention to this. He says, when I consider your heavens, watch this, the work of your fingers. The original word is fingers. The moon and the stars which you have set in place. So God, contrary to what people tell you that you came from the apes and everything is an accident outside, God, God said, that will go with earth, and and that moon will go with Jupiter, and then he, and just these fingers. I used to play with my kids, and we used to fight, and I used to say, okay, come, fight with me, and I'm just going to use one finger. Ask my sons, they will, they will laugh about it, and then they'd come, and they'd, they'd bring their fists, and I'd take my finger, and I'd grab the arm, and I'd hold it with just my finger, and I'd say, you see, you can't, because my finger's stronger than you. And we'd play like this, and God... With his finger. Imagine if he used his arm on your behalf. Wow. And it goes on to say here, the sun and the moon, you said, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. See, God's fingers are powerful. The finger of God symbolizes power. It means if you were to get, see, see all of him, you wouldn't be able to stand because his fingers are so powerful. It was the finger of God that wrote on the Ten Commandments, eh? understand was the finger of God they say the 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 Pharaoh's magicians said the the third plague was the finger of God and Jesus said this if I by the finger of God drive out demons then the kingdom of God is among you demons flee just the finger God's finger on your behalf man get to know who God is Get to know who God is. Psalm 115, he tells us this. May the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord. Increase more and more. Then I've uses a different word. It says flourish. I don't know if you know what it means to flourish. You can be alive or you can flourish. Think of the cycad. Do you know what a cycad is? It's a cycad seed. It's alive. You call it a cycad, but isn't it better when it flourishes? I planted a whole lot of these outside my house when I bought the house because it was bare. The owner, previous owner, had just put rocks there. A lot of people do that today. Don't want a garden, just put rocks. The wilderness. Now I wanted the promised land. So I planted some of these. They are flourishing. How many of you want your life to just, it, it, well, you, you can be called human or you can flourish. He wants to do more and more. Get to know his character. And I have to this morning read this verse, even though we sang it again. In Ephesians chapter 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. God can do more than you can think, but you've got to know who he is and believe and let it unfold. Can you say amen? amen? Number three, this is very important. Never just accept your lot in life. 
Never just accept your lot in life. In other words, never settle for where you find yourself right now. The Bible has two views of this, and I'll discuss the one in case you get confused. But you remember in Luke 18, Jesus spoke about the persistent widow and how he said this woman was powerless and she approached an unjust judge. And even though he didn't care about God or man, he was ruthless and harsh, because she kept on coming, she got her request. So that means when we're powerless and we find ourselves in a place of weakness, we mustn't accept it. We need to rise up in faith and believe and request from God because God's not unjust. And he says, and when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's how he closes that parable off. And we need to be people who look at our lives and say, I'm not staying here permanently. This is a temporary situation. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, not now and again. Come on now. And we need to believe God and we need to press in. Now Solomon says this, and this could confuse you, so I want to read it to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And you've got to remember that Solomon, when he wrote this book, was cynical, fatalistic, depressed. The reason, let me just warn the men, is because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. It's enough to drive any man off his rocker. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them, and to accept their lot in life. But then he goes on to say, and I love the word and, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. I don't think he's saying accept your situation. He's clearly showing that we need to learn how to cope when there are difficult times and when things don't go our way, but clearly it speaks of a progression and that it's a gift from God to go through hard times but you shouldn't accept your lot in life. You say, oh, aren't you being contradictory? No, the whole of the New Testament teaches us that we shouldn't accept our lot in life. If anyone in the New Testament accepted their lot in life, there would have been no healing, no raising from the dead. And Jesus taught us, the persistent widow, press in and don't just accept your lot in life. Can you say amen? You see, when we read the Old Testament, we see a wonderful story, and I actually wrote a booklet on this called How to Ask God for Special Favors. And uh, we read of a woman called Axa. She was the daughter of Caleb. And she was married to a man called Othniel. And uh, they stand out in Scripture in the book of Joshua. And uh, Axa was an interesting girl. She took after her father, Caleb. Caleb was one of the two spies who wouldn't settle for not being allowed in the land. In fact, at 85, he said, I think I'm strong enough. Give me my inheritance. He was a go-getter, and he wanted a daughter who was a go-getter, and he wanted his daughter to marry a go-getter. And actually, Othniel, you know how he got married to Axa? Caleb said, anyone who takes Kiriath Sepha will get my daughter in marriage. And the Bible says, and Othniel took Kiriath Sepha. You know what Caleb said? I don't just want some oak who wants my daughter. I want someone married to her so that the two of them are. They don't settle for their lot in life. And the Bible says that The Bible says that she married this guy, Othniel. His name means God is powerful. And listen to me, you can have a name that means God is powerful. You still have to do stuff. He conquered a city, and uh, they get married, and a gift is given to them. And I want to read you Joshua 15 here, 
because she was given a gift by her father, but she didn't just accept a lot in life. She wanted more. And the scripture says one day when she came to Othniel, that's her husband, she urged him, like women do, to ask her father for a field. <laughs> but notice he, it suddenly switches. When she got off the donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? I don't know if you know, he could tell she wanted something. And God can tell when you're serious about stuff. And it says here, she, she replied, do me a special favor. Since you've given me land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper and the lower springs. How many of you know, if she just accepted her lot in life, they would have struggled because that land was in a dry place called the Negev, but she didn't just get water, she got the upper and lower springs. And God wants to give you the and more. But if you just accept your lot in life, I've been born in South Africa, and it's all the foreigners taking the jobs away from us, and you know, if the government, and if the whites, and we go on and on and on, talking ourselves into our lot in life instead of saying, I don't care what happens in this world, I serve Jesus, the Lord is my shepherd. You've got to rise up from where you are and grab hold of what God's got. You remember in Mark's gospel, blind Bartimaeus, when he started calling out. You see, like the cycad, he was alive, but he wanted more than that, he wanted to see. And so he cried out and they told him to keep quiet. But he basically was saying, I will not accept my lot in life. I've got to know who this is and I want all he's got. I want the and more of this Savior and Messiah in my life. I want to tell you, when you start reaching out for the and more, the enemy will come. When you start praying for the and more, the enemy will distract you. Keep on praying. When you start reading your Bible to discover the and more of God, the enemy will distract you with discouragement. You just need to read more of Scripture. You need to increase your Bible reading and discover who God is and don't settle for your lot in life. Many in this room today have accepted their lot. It's time for you to rise up and believe for the and more of God. Number four. Is this helping you today? Recognize and utilize the three doors to more. You say, what's that? There are three distinct doors that you need to go through if you want to receive the and more of God. Some of you won't like the first one. The first door to and more is faithfulness. You need to be faithful at work, with your job, your money, your spouse, you want the and more of God, but you can't be faithful with what he's given you. Volunteering. You be faithful. So if you can't make it, we're not going to hold it against you. We're not going to drive you or make you feel guilty. Just give us a call. And not two minutes before you're supposed to be here. Amen? Unless you fall down the stairs or something, or, or your car doesn't start. You may have bought a Mercedes, and that does happen to them. Faithfulness is a door to more. And we forget it. You see, this is what it says in Luke's gospel, chapter 16. Whoever is faithful in small matters will be faithful in what? Large ones, the and more. Whoever is dishonest in small matters will be dishonest in large ones. Then you have not been faithful in handling worldly wealth. How will you be trusted with true wealth? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what belongs to you? 
See, we want to be promoted. We, we, why haven't they put me in charge? Uh, I'm a woman. They should. And we come up with all this social and political stuff instead of just taking our eyes off that and saying, God, I'm going to be like Joseph. Wherever you put me, I'm going to whinge and whine. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. I'm going to trust you. And then watch God promote you through your faithfulness. The second door to more is productivity. Productivity. Why should God give you more if you're not going to use it? Hmm? Peril of the talents. God gives you five and you spend it on yourself. No, you need to make five more. And then tithe on it. Amen? <laughs> and the man who had five made five more. The man who had two made two more. The man who had one was not productive. He wasn't faithful and he wasn't productive, so why should he get and more? And Jesus says this, and people hate this, but this is, this is in the Bible, Matthew chapter 25. For to every person who has something, even more will be given, and he will have what? More than enough. But the person who has nothing, even the little that he has, will be taken away from him. You see, I want you to hear me this morning. The door to less is lack of pro productivity not lack of opportunity. We keep thinking that it's lack of opportunity. No, no. The door to more is lack of, uh, the door to more is productivity. And a lack of productivity will decline things in your life. You want to increase things in life? Go through the door of faithfulness. Go through the door of productivity. You see, Proverbs 13 says this, no matter how much you want, laziness won't help a bit. But hard work, that's Productivity will reward you with more than enough. Let me ease your pain. The third door to more is giving. You want more in your, just want more friendliness in your life? Give. Get in a lift. I've said this for years. Get in a lift with a whole lot of people. If, if someone's in a lift, does a smile, you know they're a serial killer. Most other people, most other people, it's like awkward. <laughs> Give and don't just think money. It's a principle of life that if you want the and more of joy, the and more friends, the and more favor, and the and more finances, you have to give. It's like being productive. Productivity, faithfulness, and giving unlock the more of God. And it goes against natural thinking. See, Proverbs 11, we've quoted this numerous times in the offering, and I've prayed today, especially that God give you fresh revelation. Proverbs 11 says, one person gives freely, but give, yet gains even more. Watch this, another withholds unduly. That means they've got something, but comes to poverty. It doesn't say they come to poverty because of the economy. It says they actually have got, but because they don't give, it doesn't increase. It actually diminishes. The one person who gives freely, they end up with more. It's a principle of God. And we need to understand it and operate it. See, God promises us the more than enough in life. And most people want maximum in life, but they're giving minimum. Recognize this door. It's a very important door. And let me remind you, I didn't read it this morning on purpose, but Malachi chapter 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven 
and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Did you know that the word floodgates is only mentioned twice in the Bible? Once when the flood came, that's when the Lord opened the floodgates. And secondly, he says here, he compares it. Giving will produce the and more in your life. And remember point number one, it unfolds. So don't give your tithe today and then wait for next week. No, it didn't come yet. Next week, next month. Yeah, you see the stuff doesn't work. No, you need to let it unfold. See, Paul had to encourage the church to give because they didn't understand the stuff. And he taught them repeatedly in 2 Corinthians 9. We've read this in offering so many times. You should each give then as you have decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. Then he promises and God is able to give you more than you need. We talked about overflow in Psalm 23. So that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. Rivers Foundation, conferences, family needs. It's getting very quiet in this Presbyterian church. How many of you know this is a great place to believe God for to live? But use the door to get there. Hmm? Paul speaks to the Philippians. They were a church that were rare because many churches weren't giving. And in our world today, lots of people in churches don't give. Paul writes to the Philippians and he says this. He says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They were a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Not only is he happy, God is happy. And when God is happy, he goes on to say that he will supply all our needs according to Israel. You see, the Philippians believed for more. They gave more, and Paul was able to enjoy more. And uh, their giving is recorded in the Bible. I wonder if Rivers Church's giving would be recorded in the Bible. Food for thought, number five. Ask God for his supernatural in your life. Has this helped you today? This is very important. How many of you know that we need the supernatural in our lives? Uh, if, you, if you study the Greek, the word for life or natural life is bios, B-I-O-S. But supernatural life is zoe, Z-O-E. And when Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and life to the full, he was not talking about bios. He wasn't saying, when you get to know me as Savior, you'll be able to run the comrades. And then when you finish the comrades, you'll be able to go do straight to the two oceans. Now, he's not talking about natural energy. He's talking not about bios. He's talking about Zoe, a quality and a, a different level of life. And we need the supernatural. We need God's super on our natural. See, some people want the supernatural and then they do nothing. No, no, you act, but God gives you that something else. That's the and more of God. And we need to believe for that in our lives. And uh, Stanley Jones, the, the great Bible author, e. Stanley Jones, he said this, and I think it's a profound thing in, in, in his book. He says, life is supplied with a basic adequacy. In other words, when you're born and you're living without God, it's a basic adequacy. Don't live there. You need to live beyond that in the supernatural. How do you get that? Well, you pray and you ask God for more for something over and above. Isn't that true? Now notice Psalm 90 here. This is quite amazing. And stay with me, you don't lose this. Psalm 90. The psalmist says our day, the days of our life are 70 years or perhaps 80 if we are strong. Even then their span is only toil and trouble. 
and they are soon gone and we fly away. So teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Just leave that verse up for a moment. Can you see from this verse here that 70 is the, like, inevitable, the natural? Most of you, without even praying, you somehow get to 70. You want to get to 80. You need something supernatural. Isn't it interesting that at 80, Moses started his ministry? How do you start your ministry at 80? The Lord said, I will be with you. So it won't just be an 80-year-old man who's got some vigor, unlike most people. You've got an 80-year-old who's got God in him. He's natural and God's super enables him to go beyond. You with me? 70 speaks of normal. Seven, the number seven. It's a week. Eight speaks of more than enough. New beginning. 70 is like normal life. 80 is like, wow. And when you study the word 80 in the scriptures, kahuna it means, which means priesthood. The priesthood, a lot of, a lot of eights in there, eight garments they wore, eight orders uh, on the roster before David came along. Just a whole lot of very important things come out in the Hebrew. And uh, Joseph ruled for 80 years in Egypt, supernatural and more he provided. There's a picture there. And you need to believe God for the overflow, the and more but you've got to ask for it. It's not just going to happen. Are you with me? And if you accept your lot in life, you might not even make 70. And I hear people say this. I had a friend who used to say this. How are you? I used to ask him, how's it going? Fit, fat, and over 40. So he'd already, after 40, started. No, 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 no. I want to answer. How are you? Well, I'm the cusp of 70, but praise God. Best is yet to come. I'm going to wrap this up in a moment, but it's very important. Do you know King Hezekiah was an incredible king, great ministry, great life, but he got what's called bubonic plague when he was 39 years old. And having done an, an immense amount of good and lived an incredible life, we pick the story up here in 2 Kings, and I'll read this and we will wrap up in a moment. Is this, are you with me? 2 Kings 20, and it says, In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The point of death. Maybe you're in your life today at the point of death. No one knows, but... Not physically, but inside, you're dying. It says, the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. How would you like to be told that? 39 years old. Some of you are like, oh, well, God spoke. <laughs> Ezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully. Is that not a door Two more. I recollect some preacher saying that somewhere. He says, with wholehearted devotion, I have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly before Isaiah had left the middle court and gone downstairs. The word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayer, seen your tears, and I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I love this. And I will add 15 years to your life. Watch this. That's the and more. There's even and more. Because he then says, and I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend the city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Some of you just accept what happens. 
you need to go to God and say, I want the supernatural, my physical body. Now notice this interesting. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. And they did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Was it the poultice that saved him? Or I think it was the prayer that saved him. So use your medical aid, go to your doctor, but don't accept your lot in life. Believe for the supernatural and the animal of God and ask for it. You'd be amazed what happens when you ask. As I close this morning, I read a fascinating story this week, and I want to encourage you to ask God, because God can do more than people can do. Single father of five, Robert Libowitz of New Jersey, 60 years old, suffering with kidney disease and on dialysis, and he needed another kidney, and he wore a t-shirt, and on the back of the t-shirt it says, in need of kidney. And he went to Disneyland and he walked around in the summer of 2018 for three days with that on his back. He said this, he said, I thought, you know, if I can get one person who's my blood type to respond, and, and maybe that's my match, then it'll be worth a $35 investment of the shirt. He goes on to say, an amazing couple, Rocio and Juan Sandoval took a picture of it and asked me if I minded if they posted it. Within the first week, 90,000 Facebook shares of just walking around the park for three days and my phone wouldn't stop ringing. A man called Richie Sully, 39, a father of two, saw the post and said, I have an extra kidney. It's not like I need them both. <laughs> he and Libovitz were reported doing well after the operation and a TV station reported that he wanted to take uh, this Scully on a holiday. But here's the thing, how did he get that kidney? He just asked. And some of us would rather ask people at Disneyland than ask the God of heaven whose finger put the planets in place. It's time for us to believe for the and more of God. Can you say amen? Trust him for the supernatural. Get to know his character. Go through the door of faithfulness. Go through the door of productivity. Go through the door of giving. Get to know God's character and trust it to unfold in your life this morning. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.